Hey family, it's Natalie Valle, and this is Practical Alchemy, the podcast. I am a multidisciplinary healer and practitioner here to empower you with insightful, powerful, and heart-centered conversations. Our goal here at Practical Alchemy is to share stories, tools, and modalities from experts, teachers, mentors, and friends to help alchemize your life and to remind you that you're always on your journey to evolution and you're not alone in it. We'll dive into topics ranging from wellness, healing, spirituality, dharma, relationships, manifestation, and so much more. Thank you for being a part of this beautiful, supportive community. I can't wait to connect with you in real life at events, retreats, trainings, courses. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. Welcome back, Practical Alchemist. I am so stoked for today's conversation. I am sitting down with a dear friend, a new friend, Krista Janine. We met at the International Women's Month panel that we were both speaking on at Allo HQ, and I was just so impressed by her perspective, her background. Krista is uh, an instructor currently for Allo Moves and Pop Sugar Wellness, and has been a health and wellness professional who's been teaching yoga since 2012. She's also a life coach who helps women heal from their past trauma and established a self-designed narrative for their lives, which we're going to talk about. I'm excited to dive into that. And most of all, my favorite part is that she is a change agent and an individual who believes in equality in all spaces. And she now focuses a lot of her energy as well on educating individuals and companies on the importance of diversity and inclusion in the yoga and fitness space. So thank you, Krista, for, for coming on today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this this conversation we're about to have. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, it's so beautiful because when we met, you just like came in hot and it was so perfect the subjects that we were talking about because you shared with me that you're you're in school and you're currently learning about all of these different facets. I mean, you're just such an impressive individual. On top of all that you do, you're also an incredible mother. I got to meet your little one and whose birthday's coming up. <laughs> yeah, he'll be 10. It's so crazy. Like, what? Wow. That's wild. <laughs> I'm crying. Truly, he's almost as old as you've been teaching yoga. Literally. Literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I actually had him the year after I started teaching. Really? Yeah. Wow. That must have been such a monumental year for you. Yeah, it was great. It was a great way to make money. Let me tell you, I'm so glad I got my yoga certification when I did um, because I was. I was in an in-between space and like yoga was how I was paying my bills and it, it worked out. It was it definitely was a blessing in disguise, like how everything kind of like came together. Mm. Um, but again, it's like the the universe provides, right? Oh, God, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it. It's definitely like provisions were in place 
that I didn't even realize I needed until they were there, you know? So it was, it was a nice, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. (laughs) It's been a journey. And walk us through that journey. What has been your journey with movement? I don't want to say fitness or yoga, because I know that you've been an athlete since you were little. And so like, how has movement played a role in your life? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been playing like sports since I was what five, like whenever you sign up for sports. Right. So I played soccer, I played basketball, I swam. Um, I did all the things like I ran track, like, and I've always been an active person. I've always enjoyed like lifting weights. I've always enjoyed, um, just moving and like getting things done. I did gymnastics for a little bit when I was younger, like literally all the things. So I've, I've always found enjoyment in it, but there's always been this um, underlying like elephant in the room, if you would, right? Because I've never been small, small, right? Like I've been smaller than I am now, but like not like what you would presume an athletic like body type to be, even though I was, you know, like I was super strong, was very fast, especially like in high school when I was playing soccer. Um but yeah, it is always been like under the assumption of, oh, well, she's probably not that good or, oh, well, she probably doesn't have X, Y, and Z or, oh, well, whatever, like insert like negative connotations that people have on larger bodies. Mm. But again, even to that point, like I've always been an athlete. I've all like my senior year of high school, I think I was on the swim team. I was still on track team. And then I was still playing soccer and like, I was a captain of all my teams and like, (laughs) so it's not like I was just kind of there um, and varsity. So it's definitely been like an interesting path for me, but also a path of like enjoyment. Cause I do find a bit of satisfaction out of like proving people wrong. (laughs) Not a bit, a lot. I find a lot of satisfaction out of that. So yeah, it's, it's been an interesting ride for sure. Wow. I I think that's so powerful to not only have been so active in all of the teams, but you were a leader within all of those teams and just being such a such a beacon of of encouragement for individuals who maybe didn't fit the mold of the athlete, right? And yet, yes, and Yes, and so much more. And at what point did yoga come into play? Yeah, so yoga. So in college, I didn't play sports, which I think to my mother's chagrin, right? Because I played soccer from the time I was five until my senior year of high school. So the intention was to play in college, but I got hurt my junior year of high school. I had a really bad knee injury. So even though I was able to get back and like play my senior year, my game just wasn't the same. Um, So I ended up just like doing my own thing in college, right? So I did a lot of home workouts, which I've always been a fan of home workouts. Um, And I would always go to the gym like on campus, but my senior year of college, a core power yoga opened up right off campus. Um, and I would see these people like coming out drenched in sweat. I was like, what are y'all doing in there? Like, what is happening? So I did my free week. I loved it. I got a membership at the end of my free week. And then I practiced for probably two years. And then I did my yoga teacher training, which I don't like yoga probably wasn't like what changed for me. Cause before I did teacher training, 
I was just like there for the fitness. I was like, please make me sweaty. I liked what it was doing to my body. Like it was shifting my like composition in a way that nothing else had. Um, But during yoga teacher training, just understanding yoga philosophy and like tapping into like more of a spiritual space as opposed to just the physical practice. Like that really for me was the life changing like aha moment. And I would get bits and pieces of it in class. But doing an intensive like eight week teacher training, you really are immersed in in what yoga was intended to be. And I was fortunate enough to have amazing yoga teacher training leads who had like such a diverse background and who were just well versed in in yoga philosophy and yoga history and anatomy. And I, I was very fortunate because I came in in a time where you know, I don't wanna, nothing is core power. I came in at a time where people really were more into the yoga than just the business. And they were very much so invested in creating teachers that understood what yoga was, right? And understood how yoga benefited and understood how yoga truly was a space of diversity. Um, and and specifically with the the cohort that I was in, right? The people who were my teacher trainers, teacher trainer leads, like they very much so were those individuals. Because um, I know other people who did training with core power and did not have the same experience I had. So I was very fortunate in that regard. Wow. So beautiful. And I love how you were like, yes, the asanas are great. My body composition is shifting. I feel strong. I feel flexible. But what is this whole other side of it that entails the spirituality aspect and the philosophy was that revolutionary for you because I know that you grew up in the Baptist church and so yeah yeah absolutely and I tell people this all the time and I think like to some people's dismay I'm like my relationship with God I've always been a spiritual person, right? There's always been something like in me that's been drawn to understand theology and understand just religion in general. Like I've always been very curious about religious practices. I get very deep into cults sometimes because I'm like, what makes somebody want to do this? (laughs) Um, But with yoga, what I noticed was it had way more to do with an internal like dialogue Mm. and my relationship with God like grew exponentially once I started doing yoga and once I started like meditating and once I understood like what that voice actually sounded like in a real way uh and I never had that in church like there was nothing that ever taught you how to actually tap in and to like to be able to receive a message or a download right from your higher self And again, whatever you call it, God, the universe, your higher self and leave it at that, like there are tools and tactics and way for you to do that. And it's just not often taught in a church setting, right? It's like you're preached at and then you're told to read this scripture and it's interpreted by the person who's like ordained by God, right? But there's no space to really dive into it until you're older and like maybe with commentaries and like stuff like that. But it's just not, it's not a space where you're actually taught how to have a relationship with God, right? And I think that was something for me with yoga, I was really able to tap into a true sense of spirituality in a way that like church and religion never could have given me. Mm, yeah, it's like so many 
traditions will teach that the access point to spirit, the divine God is outside of you. And when in reality, we all have that access point within ourselves and whatever practices get us there, they're all right. You know, there's no right or wrong way. And I think it's, yeah, it's so liberating to finally come to terms with your own relationship and what that means to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even with that, like in relation to motherhood, right? It's like being able to tap into that intuition and really understand what's best for you and your child and like allow the rest of the clutter to to dissipate. And that was something that I needed um, to be a good parent, right? And I don't think a lot of people think about that, but I don't, I'm not as interested in other people's opinions about my kid, <laughs> as some people are. And I'm also not interested necessarily in the way, you know, that we engage with each other. Like some people have a problem with it. Like my mother, for instance, she's like, you're so like relaxed with him. And I'm like, it's not even relaxed. Like there is structure, but he also has a say in like what happens Mm. to him as a person. So, I mean, it's definitely a different, (laughs) it's definitely a different household than when I grew up in, but, but yeah, I think, all of that really just set me up to to do all the things I do and really know like when to listen and when to move and when to be still and when to you know act accordingly right and some and a lot of people don't know how to act accordingly mm. Yeah, I love how before we started recording you were even telling me you were like for my son's birthday party, I I was like, is it a surprise? You're like, no, no, no. I consulted with him. We <laughs> had an opinion about everything. And it's so yeah. beautiful to have that relationship with your child to treat them as a whole person. And then they get to grow up in that in that safe space and container of my opinion is valued. I am a whole person, even as a child. And I'm just so grateful that that's how children are being raised because I know that there are so many mothers out there who, like you said, it's not really interested in the opinion of how other people think I should raise my child. It's intuitive of what feels good for for you. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's everybody's different, right? Every mm-hmm. child is different. There's not going to be a way, like even if you have two kids, right, or multiple children, you're not going to be able to parent them the same because they're not the same person. Right. It's like different people need different things and you have to learn how to act accordingly. And I don't think in the past people were as in tune with that. Right. Where they weren't in tune with the fact, oh, if I have multiple kids, I can't do the same thing with this child as I can with that child because it's not going to land the same and it's not going to have the same impact. Right. And I think as we evolve as people, as people stop trying to like follow this cookie cutter method of like what marriage looks like, what kids should be raised as, what whatever, we're starting to actually raise individuals as opposed to raising like some homogenous like think tank of people who are miserable mm. and need therapy. Truth. Truth. So much truth to that. Wow. I want to talk about, I love the concept trauma to triumph. I just, I love how that sounds. I love how that feels. And I know that that's part of the work that you do with a lot of the people that you work with. 
How did this concept unfold for you? What is what does that mean to you? Yeah, so I think it emerged from this reality of everybody's going to go through things in life, right? And I think so often in the past, people would ignore their trauma or they wouldn't understand how their past trauma that was unresolved would still be impacting them in real time and real spaces. But also understanding that like there is good in the trauma. And I know that sounds, <laughs> I know that sounds horrible and like people don't often like it, but it's true. And even from like a metaphysical standpoint, right? Like, let's just say like lifting weights in order for your muscles to grow, you have to traumatize them, right? You have to tear them, allow them to heal. And then they grow back stronger, right? Like that's the metaphysical reality of what's happening inside your body when you lift weights or do whatever you're doing to gain strength. And the same thing is true within our spirit. There are certain things that you have to go through that are going to prepare you to do what you're on this planet to do, right? And everybody's trauma is going to look different. Everybody's trauma is going to manifest in different spaces in their lives at different times. Some people, the front part of their life is like filled with trauma and like distress. And if they don't handle it, then it carries on. Or they learn how to manage it and they learn how to heal from it and to set those healthy boundaries and to create a space that is safe for them and their nervous system and they can thrive and be better. And I think for me, it was helping people understand like we all go through trauma, but you have the option to choose how to use it, right? You can either use it as fuel for your elevation or fuel for your demise, but you get to choose what it's going to be for you. And that's how the program even started because Even the podcast, right? The podcast started from a space of, I know all these amazing people and I, and I know their stories. I know what they had to overcome to get where they are and sharing that with people. So we can truly understand like trauma doesn't have to always be bad. Life's going to happen, right? And all you can do is react accordingly and you have choices here and you have to choose what choice is going to best serve you. And again, it's not going to be the same for everybody, but you always have a choice in the matter. There truly is nothing like community and feeling supported by like-minded individuals who share the same mission and are also on their journey to evolution. And if you're craving this, I invite you to join me in the Alchemized Life membership This is a virtual community and a membership of beautiful people from all across the world. And we come together every month for community healing circles, workshops around lunar cycles and cacao circles. And these are all live, all recorded, and you have access to them, whether you want to hop on live or you want to watch the recordings of them. And if you feel called to join the membership, I would love to invite you to try your first month for just a dollar using the code practicalalchemy at checkout. I hope to see you in the portal soon. Back to the show. Mm. For somebody who is maybe thinking like, yeah, I've gone through some really messy stuff. I don't know how to alchemize this. What what are some of the ways that you have found yeah. to support somebody going through that? 
the biggest thing I, I tell people this all the time, go to therapy, please, please, everybody go to therapy. Like, oh my God. And at this point, you know, I know people are like, oh, financially, you know, I can't, but look, if you have state insurance, you have access to mental health facilities as well. If you can scrounge up like $50 to $60 every two weeks, you can go through what's called open path collective. Like there's so many ways to access therapy. If you're a student, your um, your campus probably has like mental spe- mental health specialists for you. So now we're past the point of like, it's a financial like barrier of injury. It might not be the best, right? All the time, but doing something is definitely better than doing nothing. And then some of the tactics and tools I use, I have this workshop called Reclaiming Your Narrative. And a lot of what we do in that workshop is dispelling the lies. Like, what have you been told your whole life that is not a truth, right? There's somebody's opinion about you. How can you use that to then like restructure your own thought process about who you are as a person? And then, and I do this with my, um, I do a diversity, equity, and inclusion um, workshop for yoga teacher trainings. And I do this activity with them where it's like, write down all your identifiers, right? So like woman, black, educated, whatever, like whatever your identifiers are. And then put whether you feel like it's a source of oppression or a source of privilege, right? And from that, you start to create your own like narrative about who you are as a person. And then the second part of the activity is like, okay, well now how can your points of privilege and oppression like be used to make the world better, mm. right? And I think that's the thing that people don't get. They get stuck in the trauma. They don't understand like, okay, I went through this, right? It sucked, hated it. But how can I use this to either make my life better and not repeat that in the past? And how can I use this to help other people. And because we're in such like an individualistic society, we often are like, well, why did this happen to me or blah, 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 whatever. And sometimes the stuff we go through isn't even necessarily for us. It's so we can help other people, which again is a very like controversial statement, but, (laughs) but it's also very true. Like some of the things that you have to endure in life again, are helping you get to that purpose. So I always encourage people, one, look at the bigger picture, Ask yourself what you learned from the situation. Ask yourself how you maybe can prevent it. Ask yourself, maybe how could I have perhaps reacted differently? Because sometimes our reactions to the trauma make things worse than the actual trauma itself, right? And I think all of these things in this introspective um, reality and like tool isn't often used enough, but we have to start going inward when stuff like that happens. Because if you try to find the answers elsewhere, it's just not going to work. It just doesn't, it doesn't work the same way that it does when you're like going in inward and we're actually asking yourself the question as opposed to asking other people because nobody else knows. Nobody knows. And it's so powerful to even ask yourself, what is the narrative that I have? What are the stories that are replaying over and over and over in my mind that I'm not even really maybe conscious of? that Mm -hmm. are on constant repeat and are feeding the narrative of how I perceive myself to be in this world and therefore impacts how I actually move in this world. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's an ongoing process. Like even for me, like there are certain things and certain days where I'm just like, "Eh." (laughs) I'm just not feeling it. Right. And it's just like, there's nothing I can do to make myself feel like I look better. There's nothing I can do to make myself feel like, you know, I'm worthy of X, Y, and Z. And those are the days where it's like, okay, well, this is the day I'm having. 
And that's okay too, right? And I think this idea that healing is like a destination point Mm. is false advertisement. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to go through bouts of depression and come out of it. You're going to have moments of anxiety and panic and come out of it. Like it's not a straight like road and there are ups and downs and they're going to be standstills and they're going to be moments where you're just tired and don't feel like doing the work right now, you know, and all of that is okay, but it's also all very much so a part of the process. Yes. Moral of the story, healing is not linear. And if you're tired, go take a nap. Go, yeah, rest. You know, go take care of yourself. You don't always have to be doing the work and healing. It's okay to yeah. also just give yourself a break. Absolutely. And that's the thing too, man. I just feel like toxic positivity is so annoying because nope, that's not a realistic human expectation, right? Like I'm not always going to be happy. Mm -hmm. That's not how any of this works. It's unrealistic for anybody to think that's how it's going to work. And for me to say, oh, I'm having a bad day or oh, X, Y, Z happened. And for you to be like, oh, well, just try to find the positive. That's not what I'm saying at all. No, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Feel your feelings. Express your feelings to people you can trust, but also, like, don't ignore yourself. You know how you feel. And again, no one else does. And if you're around people who are constantly invalidating your feelings, then you need to get around new people. Yeah, you need new friends. Yeah, for sure. We'll be your friends. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Tell me about the intersection between yoga, fitness, and activism. Yeah, so it's so so <laughs> I'm in school right now working on my PhD in anthropology and social change. And I mean, I knew this before I started the program, but I think being in the program really allows you to like dive a little deeper into the reality, but so much of our culture as Americans and in the western world to be specific is centered on a Eurocentric reality of what beauty is supposed to be, of what fitness is supposed to be, of what you're supposed to do in order to achieve those standards of reality and it's all based in white supremacy and racism right and in a hierarchy of even whiteness to a certain degree and socioeconomics so a lot of the work I do is breaking down those barriers and helping people understand the history of how we got here and understanding like food insecurities and understanding like the spiritual barriers of entry for things like yoga and how that has manifested in communities of color. So I use fitness as a mechanism to show people like all the systemic racism that exists that we don't even see, right? Because there is a lot of it. And I do a workshop for a college up north in um, the Bay Area with their personal trainers so I give their personal trainers a full history of how the gym structure was set up in you know America of the places that people were and weren't allowed up until like the 90s and who those people were so they can understand the industry that they're going into and the the racist foundation it was built on so they're not surprised or shocked and so they understand their own unconscious bias going into these spaces and their expectations of what people should and shouldn't be able to do or or what people should and shouldn't should or should not look like um because it's so important because those things carry over into the rest of our lives too Mm -hmm. right And they continue to repeat unless you become aware of your unconscious bias. I think one of the most powerful things you said during 
Well, amongst the many impactful <laughs> things you said during our panel, but this one just like stayed with me. Like this one reverberated in my head and I was like, holy smokes, Krista, that is a, just like drop that bomb. You said that even some of the languaging that we use to, to get through oppression is rooted in oppression. Oh yeah. And like, Tell us about that. Like, I know that you you dove back into school to really begin to further understand the the structures and systems that are in place that are not designed for BIPOC communities, for communities of color. And so how have you seen that show up in the wellness space, in the fitness space, in the yoga space? Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is the qualifiers, right? And I was just talking to somebody about this recently. Like the fact that we have to put qualifiers in front of everybody that's not white is stressful for me. Mm. And it's counterintuitive. And what I mean by that is like, we shouldn't have to be like, oh, this is our plus size instructor. Oh, this is our black instructor. Oh, this is our Latina structure uh, instructor or like transgender. Like, like all of these qualifiers are othering people because they're not white or because they're not cisgender or because they're not um, straight. You know what I mean? And these are the things that are constantly reverberated in our society that aren't necessarily getting us to a space of equality because you're still saying other in front of whatever right and a lot of the work that I hope to do in the future like consulting is to take all those others out if you really want this to be an inclusive space you have to just say what the person is right you're an instructor you're a model you're whatever right because that's when you start to actually find spaces of inclusion, because I don't want to be your only black instructor, right? I don't want to be your only plus size instructor that you're just like showing off on good occasions. We have to, right. We have to stop with the qualifiers. And the reason I say that is because again, to your point, we're using words and descriptions that were created by an oppressive group of individuals, right? And we can't continue to use that language and expect to move forward. And until we start redefining things in a way that makes sense for the collective and not just this like dominating entity, we're not going to see things change. And again, it's a process. It's not easy. Like I'm not the person who's like, yay, just hopes and dreams. Like, no, like I definitely am like, no guys, like this is for the long haul. Like if you think it's going to happen quick, well then this is not, this is not the path for you. This should not be your passion because it's not going to be overnight. But that, that's what I mean when I say that, like, I'm really in a space right now of like the qualifiers are getting ridiculous. Mm. Like, please shut up and just tell me what this person does. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of times that I will go to fill out a form and it literally just says ethnicity, Hispanic, non-Hispanic. I'm like, what is that? Like, of course I I pick Hispanic, but I'm like, there are many other ethnicities that are, it's just so funny to me. And it's just, that question always gets me because I'm like, well, what if you don't know? Yeah. Like what, like what is the, like that qualifier in particular? I'm just like, what does this mean? I like, do. what do I do with this? I, do. I always do none, but like at the same time, it's like, but I could be, I don't know. I don't know. And why does it matter? 
Yeah, that yeah. one always throws me off. I'm like, I'm scared to put that I'm Hispanic. What's going to happen to me? <laughs> right, right. Why, why do you need to know? Why that? do you need to know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it, no, it's so powerful that you're you're going back to school and you're getting your PhD, studying these very important topics. And it always fascinates me too that it's it's rooted in – you know, it's like anthropology and what's the other? And social change. And yeah. social change. Like the intersection between the two is so fascinating. Yeah. And it's because, and the reason why I like the school on that in particular is because they understood the necessity of like the academic side of things, but also an active like activism side of it. Because just learning these things, like a lot of people are what we call like um, couch academics, right? Where it's like they learn all these things, they have all this knowledge, but they don't do nothing with it. Like, what are you doing with this information you have? So it's really building that bridge between like the understanding of things and then the implementation of it. It's like, okay, I know these things and I know how to articulate these things, but then how can I use this to actually make things happen? Right. And it's going to, again, look different from everybody. Like my goal with this is to very much so like consult with corporations that I currently work with. Right. So Aloe and Lululemon and Nike and like those corporations so they can understand why creating these spaces of actual inclusivity and belonging is important and not just the, oh, I'm going to be diverse and check this box. Like, let's not do that. Let's actually figure out how we can create a space where everybody feels like they belong here and they should be here. Um, So that's essentially why I went to school. I was like, there has to be a better way. (laughs) Yeah. And especially working with leaders and industries, the industries that are front and center and that people are looking to, they're setting the standard. Mm-hmm. Right. And if they're not walking that walk, then what's going to hold the other businesses within that industry ac- accountable if the leaders of the industry aren't even doing it? Exactly. Or if they're just doing it for show. And I think that's my bigger like gripe with a lot of these companies because I'm like you can't just show up like whenever there's a Black Lives Matter rally or somebody gets killed and then like do these things. But then you forget about them in the interim, right? And it's just like, you can't do that. You need to be all in or all in, right? It's like, it's not even like, or all out. Like, no, you need to be all in. You need to figure out how to make this a part of your company's structure and and mission statement. And people can tell. People can tell when it's performative and people can tell when it's actually a part of their ethos and who they are as a company, right? Who their team members are, what they stand for. And so let this be a call to action. People can freaking tell when it's performative. Absolutely. And, and as, and as interesting as it is, because I know I get a lot of like, (laughs) I don't want to say hate, but I get a lot of pushback for working with Aloe as like a bigger person. And I'm also in the space of like, we can't be so divisive that when things are trying to change we're like oh that's not enough it's like we have again it's a marathon it's not a sprint we have to find these moments of forward movement and then not say things online or do things 
against those people that'll then be like, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't do this, right? Mm. And people, again, don't see the bigger picture. They just see what's in front of them so often. And they don't even understand how their behavior is counterintuitive to what they're trying to do, right? It's like, at the end of the day, if I'm a good instructor, it shouldn't matter what size I am, right? And also, and this is the thing about clothing, clothing looks different on different bodies. And you might look at me and be like, oh, of course she's like plus size and she's whatever, whatever. But then it's like, well, but I'm short. So I'm big, but I'm short. So yes, I can still wear aloe clothing. But again, all of these factors that are kind of irrelevant become part of the conversation. And then we get distracted from what actually the conversation should be. So a lot it's so many things it's such a nuanced like conversation and space and again can aloe have more inclusive sizing yes but at the end of the day are they working towards something yeah they're doing way better than they were before and I think we can all acknowledge that absolutely absolutely and also giving whether it's corporations or people the the space to grow the space to change the space to be like yeah, maybe in the past he totally missed the mark. But guess what? Mm-hmm. Here is your here is your chance to not miss yeah. the mark again. And actually yeah. giving people the space to correct and adjust. And truthfully, I mean, I think you probably can agree more than anyone, it, it most of the time comes down to education. So yeah. much of I mean, listen, there is also very real hate and ugly people in the world, but a lot of times it's it's just ignorance. It's uneducated, you know, biases and perspectives and like you're doing, you know, going out there and and learning the tools so that you can share those with the corporations, with the entities. When they're educated, then they have the tools to actually do something. Yeah, absolutely. And we can't expect people to just change overnight, right? Like Mm -hmm. Even though corporations are corporations, they're still run by people, Mm -hmm. right? And people need that space and grace to learn and adjust and move accordingly. Now, when they don't do it, then that's a different conversation. But just like in a friendship, if I tell one of my friends something you're doing is bothering me, I can't expect them to immediately not do it at all, Mm -hmm. right? There's still going to be that that room for error. There's still going to be a space of them readjusting their paradigm so they know not to do it. But at the end of the day, like you have to be able to have that space to say, okay, we can grow, we can evolve together. If you make a mistake, we will course correct in the process. Hmm. So beautiful. Well, the last piece that I want to talk on that I think is also such a beautiful facet of your life and and you're just you're just so multidimensional. <laughs> and as an entrepreneur, as a mother, what has been your journey with with motherhood being yeah. such an active entrepreneur, being so multifaceted in the work that you do, the places that you show up? You know, you're you're freaking getting your PhD. You're a <laughs> superwoman. What has that yeah. journey been like for you? Um, it's often stressful, right? Like, let's be very clear. Like, it's not, and you know, what? I was, I'm in the process of like doing a post for Chris's birthday, because I do want to put stuff in perspective, because I think sometimes people look at me and they're like, Oh, my God, you, you make it look so easy. And you do all the things. And I'm like, 
yes that's true but like there's so much that goes into the process of making it easy and like with anything right it's usually people who are like doing the most effort that make it look so like easy to to do whatever they're doing so I think for me a lot of it has been trial and error I failed a lot I've made a lot of bad business choices lost a lot of money (laughs) like but at the end of the day I think the one benefit the most profound benefit I'll say that I enjoy is actually being an active part of my kids life right Mm. like running your own business I I get to create my schedule I get to say when I am and am not available I get to say like you know how much I need if you want to do this and I really get to navigate my life now again there are moments where there's feast and famine right like that's just the nature of business but it's allowed me to be a more active participant in my son's life because I am creating my own schedule and my own space and my own, you know, way of life. And right now I'm in a very weird in between um, because I'm trying to figure out what's next. And in the midst of that, there's a lull in the cash flow because I'm like, oh, what's next? <laughs> Something, anything. So it's just, it's a very. It's a very stressful place to be, but it's also very rewarding, right? Mm. And I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, but when I had my son, I was like, oh, maybe I should go back to work and like, I don't know, have regular insurance. But as I've like kind of gone through that process, I'm like, this is not for me. I don't care enough, I guess you could say. Um, I had a recent like contract, because I do contract roles every once in a while. I had a recent contract um with Facebook and like even that I was really like how can I use this contract and what I'm doing to further my business to maybe get a more like understanding of what's happening um but there's always like this ongoing question I have about like why am I doing this how is this gonna like push me forward can I use this to help anybody else um so yeah it's it's definitely been a journey, but again, it's it's been a very rewarding journey. Um, I am in a lull right now, so like it's it's interesting to be here, um, just talking about business because there's there's always ups and downs. Like it's the nature of the beast, but it has provided a space and a life where where I can actively be involved with my son and what he does and like coach his soccer team and know who his friends are and like all that stuff. You know what I mean? It's just it makes being a parent a lot easier. Well, you're inspiring me. I know that motherhood is somewhere in the horizon for me. And as an entrepreneur, any woman that I know is in the arena of entrepreneurship and a mother and making it look so easy, I'm like, you are my freaking hero. You're doing it. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting, though, to hear stuff like that, because I'm like, man, y'all think I'm doing so great. There's moments where I'm just winging it. I don't know what the hell's going on. And like, and that's and that's my truth. And I don't even have a problem with saying that's my truth, because more people need to hear that. Like, we can't just think everything is like going to be sunshine and like rainbows. Mm. That's not how any of this works, you know? So, yeah, it's it's been a journey. That's what I'll say. It's definitely doable, but it's also been a journey and... Um, and stressful. That's what I'll say. I'll leave it at that. It's been stressful. (laughs) We only want the truth. 
Right. Thank you for the the transparency. Absolutely. Well, how can people connect with you, love? Yes. So I am Krista Janine everywhere. Everywhere you can find social media, you will find me as Krista Janine on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. I think I still have Facebook somewhere out there in the stratosphere. Floating in the ether. Right. Floating in the wind somewhere. (laughs) Um, and, uh, And YouTube. And then I'm also in the process of creating um, an accountability group on Facebook, which is why I'm like, I know I have an account somewhere. I just got to activate it, I think. But I'm um, I'm going to start accountability groups because a, a lot of people ask me, how can I be more disciplined in my meditation? How can I create an active yoga practice? How can I start a fitness um, regimen? So I'm going to start working toward coaching on that end a little more like I used to. Um, but yeah, so if you want to join my accountability group, you can do that too. But, but yeah, that's, that's how you can find me. Uh, my website is KristaJanineFit.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time and coming on. And also just sidebar, I want to say how freaking proud of you I am of you for working so hard at rehabbing. I know that your, your injury has been another thing that we probably could have touched on but i I see you girl thank you no i definitely appreciate it because yeah and that's that's been a whole another journey that's that's made me realize oh one day you can't rely so much on your body to make money so you got to figure it out um but yeah no it's it's honestly it's going great i had a great surgeon i have a great physical therapy team so definitely blessed in that regard Mm -hmm. well thank you love have a beautiful rest of your day thank you you too